With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. We are honored to salute our first captain, a former head coach, and an active member of the Canuck alumni for more than 40 years, Orland Curtinback. There's a presentation on the ice in regards to Yukon night here with quite a few down from the Yukon. And there's the sled dog of the future to be presented to Orland Kirtenbach. And now, here we go, Kirtenbach and Sanderson. Kirtenbach pulls in. And here we go again. Now Kirtenbach getting in his looks on Cashman. Uh, we've got our first guest here, uh, the original captain of the Vancouver Canucks, Mr. Orland Curtinback. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I just finished watching uh, a hockey game. Uh, a little disappointing, but uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's tough for all those guys to get going, I think. It was uh, one nothing. I think it ended up. Yeah. And uh, But anyway, it was... Uh, uh, at the start of it was uh, it was a little slow, but it got going. Yeah, I watched the game this morning as as well. Uh, I was just kind of talking to some friends. I was excited about this interview, and we were, we were wondering as a uh, as a former player, do you do you watch a lot of the Canucks games still? Yeah, I watch them all. That's yeah, they're and, and beyond. I mean, it, it's hard not to with all. Uh, all the programs that are available, including the BC Lines and NFL, NBA, best time of the year, uh, and as of course the playoffs. So you've got a, you've got all these sports going. Uh, it's uh, tremendous. That's awesome. Um, I guess the the big one that just happened, uh, the captaincy. You were there. You got to name or help kind of crossover with Henrik and did you have any advice for him and I guess uh, I, we can double up on that question you did the same thing for Bo which has got to be a pretty awesome honor as well was there anything that you said to them that was uh, um, something they're, they're going to be able to carry on with uh, not really I, I in terms of that it's uh, you know it's rearranged by management and uh, so I think just the ceremony Mm-hmm. Acknowledging uh, the value of uh, what Bow brings to the table, game in and game out, is probably the only thing you can acknowledge. And uh, because things change, and uh, it's 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 just a matter of uh, the day to day operations in terms of on the ice and off the ice. There you go. Right. I, I mean, I appreciate that that insight into 
um, sort of what goes on sort of behind the scenes. So, you know, knowing that the whole thing is sort of prearranged by management and you're still obviously uh, a really important figurehead with the franchise, we were actually quite surprised to learn that you're still in a BC, you know, setting and you still live out here. Um, you know, what have you been up to the last few years? I mean, we, we saw you uh, the last time I think was for, for the Henrik naming and, and since then it's been a little while now since Bo has been named. So yeah, what have you been up to the last little while? Well, I am retired now. I'm 83 years old, so that in itself should uh, tell you I haven't been doing that much. But uh, <laughs> uh, following uh, following retirement, uh, uh, you know, I had a golf co- a driving range in Surrey, and we lived there. I think the nice part, uh, just to go back to uh, to uh, joining the Vancouver Canucks, I was back in '57, '58. Yes. And wow. yeah. uh, and over the probably three or four years, uh, the first year uh, the Western League Canucks, uh, we won the championship. But we had a very good club. Uh, just to make your listeners aware, yeah. uh, the Western League uh, six teams, the American League six teams, National League six teams, hundred players basically in each league, and. Uh, there were very, very good hockey. It was very defense-oriented, and uh, so uh, joining the Canucks in 57-58, uh, you know, from the Ranger chain, and, uh, you know, I, as I said, uh, the next year uh, was uh, in Buffalo. Uh, Rangers, uh, Bill Dobbin, myself from the Canucks went there, uh, back to Vancouver, uh, in uh, the following year, and uh, another championship with uh, we had uh, Hank Basson and uh, Hank Han, Ralph Keller. We had a very, very good, very, very, very good club, uh, and we won another championship. And uh, then uh, I joined the Boston chain, and uh, of course, uh, 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 prior to that, I met my wife Laurel in uh, Vancouver. And uh, so uh, my life took a different direction, and uh, it was a good thing, I think, uh, as uh, I, I know, uh, going back, uh, Henrik Sedin, when they would come off of road trips, uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the things he and Daniel said that uh, they had the kids when they, when they had the children, uh, there was something to look forward to, and uh, I think it gives you a a different basis for your life, and for me it was true. And anyway, so that goes back. Uh, we could go on here indefinitely in terms of the different clubs, so jump in if there's any questions. Well, um, you kind of brought up, uh, I had to get a little bit more information. This is Ryan. Um, when you were Hi, living, Ryan. When you were living out in White Rock there, um, I was living out on the coast for about seven years, and uh the one thing that uh, my wife and I always wanted, or we did usually a few times a summer, is we went down to Moby Dick's Fish and Chips. Did you, oh, are, you yeah. a, are you a Fish and Chips guy, and uh, how often did you go there? Oh, uh, quite often. Uh, <laughs> and probably, probably more so uh, when I, after I sold the range and, and so forth. But uh, I think just in terms of uh, completing... Uh, my involvement with the alumni at that time uh, was still, you know, I played till I think I re- practiced, I would say, till 75. Wow. Uh, the, 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 and we would, uh, we practiced every Wednesday at the, at the uh, eight rinks, yeah. uh, four rinks originally, to give you some idea. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they added 
added on for. And uh, but I joined uh, joined the BC Hockey League for five years with John Grisdale when Gris took over, and so we we uh, uh, we w- worked uh, with the league. And uh, when I uh, I coached Richmond's um, eighty six to ninety, and then uh, I finished off just uh, briefly with uh, after we had moved the club to. Uh, to Chilliwack and so forth, and that was still the old arena and so on. And then uh, when I was coaching Richmond, uh, we had I think nine uh, teams in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. We coached there, and anyway, just to get we can get back to that. But just to give you some idea, uh, I worked for five years, and that probably brought me up till I don't know seventy. 70 or 75 uh, I, I don't recall uh, the, the uh, exact uh, dates and so forth and uh, we, we stayed in Surrey after that uh, we uh, had the driver range and sold that and, uh, so anyway it was very nice the west coast is so nice uh, and uh, it's only been say going on uh, in three we'll be out here in Vernon at Predator uh, uh, since uh, you know, 2017 and in uh, in April, so we're coming up in three years and different lifestyle, very very low key, and uh, it's been tremendous. It's gorgeous. And the West there. Coast, West Coast, tremendous. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, yeah, Kurt, uh, I just got a question. Um, you're you're the first ever captain of the Vancouver Canucks, and um, I'm just kind of wondering your uh, point of view on how things have may have changed as to when you were the first captain and now with Bo being the 14th captain, if anything's kind of changed of wearing the C and what it means for a team and what it brings, what you have to, who you have to be as a captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Has, have things changed at all? Uh, no, depending on the club that you have. Uh, the first year, uh, uh, going back with the Canucks, uh, basically um, has to do with leadership on the ice, and and I think uh, just uh, uh, just a game to game leadership uh, of just playing your game. And for me, uh, it was a tremendous change. Uh, I had lost two years with the back fusion in New York, and I had a hell of a time getting back and my legs going. Uh, just nothing worked in New York the last while. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, but Emil Francis was our coach and general manager, and he gave me opportunities. And he told me at the end of the year that, Kurt, I can't protect you. I've got uh, too many young guys, and it was true. Yeah. So this is when I became available to come either to Buffalo when, uh, uh, when the 14, two teams were added, and uh, I played for Bud Poyle in San Francisco, and Bud was out in Vancouver. and. Right. I had played for him. We had another championship club in San Francisco. Uh, two, I say, two or three years after being in Vancouver, and so either going with Punch and uh, who I had played for in Toronto, uh, or coming out to Vancouver. And I definitely want to come out to Vancouver. When I played in Toronto, I more was in the defensive. Uh, more, I did not like it, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so on, uh, but I mean that was just my first one. It had to do with my on hockey uh, ice thing. But when I come out to Vancouver, uh, it was coming home uh, for where I had played. And uh, now to get back to your question here, uh, the first 
two years that we had, uh, I uh, the the we had a club that was uh, was had you know the, we had Pat Quinn, Gary Doak, uh, we had Charlie Hodgson, yeah, George oh Gardner, Doug Wilson, and we had uh, we had some uh, we had some people that had been around, uh, meaning playing uh, some organized, you know either. Uh, you know, Central League or the NHL, and uh, uh, on Boudria uh, came from, I think, St. Louis. Uh, we had the Rosera Paymon, Bobby Schwatch came up later. But then we also had guys like Teddy Taylor and Murray Hall, uh, uh, you know, that came on and were seasoned veterans. And so the dressing room was good. Uh, two years, uh, then some of the guys got traded, and there was uh, so there was a change of venue, might say, in terms of a lot of young guys coming in, and expectations. Of course, when you first break in, are a little bit, a uh, little bit uh, different. There are some um, players uh, again; their expectations are a little different, and uh, yeah. and of course, the changes things in the dressing room and on the ice. And then, and that is the same as well as when you're coaching in terms of who you got and what that dress room, and it's so important. And uh, anyway, and uh, just to veer off a little bit, just to your question, I think uh, I think the Canucks are of, um, like they've picked up a couple of defensemen now, a couple of guys that have played Ferland and Miller, yeah. and then some guys from last year. So I, by the looks of it, although they lost today, one nothing. I would say that uh, they have a team now that can play, can compete for 60 minutes. So I know there's going to be some ups and downs, but uh, I, re- I really feel that they can, uh, you know, they can play 60 minutes of hockey right now. And I think so. most of the guys have been around. They know how to act in the restroom and on the ice. And the team has to come first. And that's not always the prerequisite when you get, uh, you know, depending on the situation. Personalities, I don't know what it is that make dress room jive or the team jive. And you can look at the Yankees now, you look at Houston, and it, it, all the sports, the same as Raptors last year. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, and, and it's something that I'm not a big basketball fan, but uh, gee whiz, I was watching last year <laughs> in the finals as I'm yeah. thinking you most the of Canada. You the rest of the nation, yeah. Yes, that's for sure. I think... I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned guys like like Punch and 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 Pat Quinn, and and even though this team is you know relatively young, Bo, you know, it seems like he's got a veteran leadership that he can draw from uh, on the current NHL team. But you know, I was kind of curious, uh, you know, who who were some guys that you felt you learned from on, on how to become a good leader, and and maybe some pages you stole out of those guys' books that were sort of inspirational for you as you were kind of coming up in in your early days. Um. Well, it's too bad you guys didn't come out today because I've got a office down here with the teams that I played with, and uh, oh and boy. it goes on. It 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 it's not it, it's not only the the guys in the National Hockey League. We had guys like Hugh Curry and Bill Folk, and on the first year that I played, and then going back to the you know the first you know in Little Boyden and Boston and uh, John Busick, uh and by the time I got up there, I was more in my middle 20s. So, I mean, uh, I guess that wasn't unusual. It was disappointing, I think, as a player. 
uh, you know, not getting a chance earlier, but I mean, that's just the way it was then. Yeah, I guess. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, you could go to every team. Harry Hall in New York, uh, we had a we had a change. Of, Inlow had brought a lot of guys in. I get lots of ice time there. And, of course, when you go to Toronto, uh, and I had played with Terry Sawcheck and Tim Horton there. No way. And then later, yeah, and then later they uh, they came into New York towards the end of their career, and Tim finished off still playing with Punch in uh, in uh, Buffalo. And uh, Terry, uh, he, uh, you know, there was a bit of an accident in New York, and he passed away in hospital. But I mean, uh, t- uh, Tim was there out in New York, uh, in Toronto, Alan Stanley, Brewer, Vaughn, uh, you know, we had Timmy, uh, Tim, Ch- uh, you know, uh, Keon, and uh, it went on and on, and uh, George uh, Armstrong, and then, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, one from New York, well, then I went, we, we got it to, to Vancouver. So I think uh, you can't say that a captain can do everything. I think it's just the overall uh, good play that you expect of a night and night and whether to come up with winning goals or uh, provide that stability in the dressing room at uh, key times. Mm-hmm. I think Bo, just by doing what he's done over the years, is uh, trademark uh, leadership. Yeah, I think, thank you so much for that description. I, that's a crazy Rolodex that you got there for, for names that you can drop. And that it was really, really cool to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, and Thank you, you. You said that you uh, you had some uh, playing time uh, back in the day with uh, Pat Quinn. And the two of you are quite big names in the Canucks organization. I was just kind of wondering if you have any, uh, maybe some on or off ice stories that you'd like to share with us uh, that involve Pat Quinn. Well, I think my favorite one was Pat. Well, just in general, I think at that time, uh, uh, you know, all of us, uh, by the time I got to Vancouver, I'm starting to make a little bit more money, but as an example, I played in Boston and we were making the the first year $7,000 a year and I had a brother and a, he was a service manager with a General Motors graduate in Prince Albert making five mm-hmm. and then a $1,000 bonus at Christmas. So he was making six in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan and I was making seven in Boston. <laughs> How does that sound to you guys? Yeah. Huh? How the heck does that sound good? Does that sound like um, controlled by six owners? Yeah. Well, and in any case, now it's getting um, <laughs> other extremes, but at least, uh, you know, from there. And But with, with Pat, uh, I think with just uh, the general, general, again, expectation when he went to Atlanta, I think they made him captain, but it was just the expectation of being there every night. And I wouldn't, you know, whether it's standing up for your teammates or, you know, it's not shown so much now in the hockey now and the captaincies, but it's the expectation of showing up every night and playing well. And Pat did that. And I think one of the things uh, that my favorite story with Pat was, and I've told this before, but we were on a road trip and went out to Oakland and L.A. And Oakland... Oakland at that time and still is, you know, uh, when I was in San Francisco, I played in San Francisco and we played at the Cow Palace. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was on the other side. That's close to, you know, so that was like South San Francisco. Oh, boy. And we had, we, we had, we drew fans, a lot of fans from San Jose were, you know, but Oakland was another matter. And uh, it was... Uh, 
I don't know, uh, there was two places that you sort of had a, in 1970, when we went to Philadelphia and stayed downtown, uh, go to eat after, and the people at the hotels are saying, well, how many guys, mm -hmm. make sure there's 10 or 12 of you guys who you're going to go in the downtown area, because it wasn't exactly a safe place. Right. And Oakland was sort of the same way. So anyway, we went over to a restaurant bar after and had a few beers and was walking home. And the conversation came around to Pat playing football in back in Hamilton. Oh, and, no you know, that. so I said, so I was being smart ass and said something, well, I guess you must have been on the line, you know, 200, or you're <laughs> six, six foot two, 280 pounds. So Ooh. Pat took exception to that and he says, well, I sure as hell can now do you. Oh, no. So I said, okay, okay. so then we had a $100 bet who would race from, <laughs> say, 100 yards from there to a, to uh, to uh, a light pole, and uh, and so uh, was uh, there was a bunch of us. So you know, it was Mark set goal, and and bang off we went, and Pat just whipped my ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought here was a guy. He's you know he's two hundred and twenty pounds, and and uh, you know he you know he can't he can't run well. I thought I was pretty fast at one time, but in any case, so to my chagrin, uh, I lost. And then, uh, so there's two two uh, ads to this. I was telling Dale, Dale Talon that story, I don't know, a number of years later, and he said, well, I, I was in that race, and I whipped both of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh so I said, you know, BS, you know, yeah. but you know, got in on it anyway. And, uh, but anyway, so, uh, what forgetful as I may have been, I didn't, I never paid Pat that. And oh, so, oh. Uh, so the hundred bucks, and he reminded me, uh, this was, I don't know, when he was GM in Vancouver, I don't know how many years later, <laughs> when I was, uh, I was uh, being entered into the BC Sports Hall of Fame, and Pat introduced me at a pre-luncheon thing two or three days ahead. Yeah. And he said, just to remind you, Kurt, you haven't paid me. Oh, so, <laughs> so anyway, another uh, 10 or 15 years went by, and so when we had our 40th, uh, going back to uh, our 40th anniversary there 10 years ago, yeah. I, uh, I diligently had a white envelope and put $100 U.S. in it. Whoa. <laughs> but there was no interest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's so that, smart. That, that was one of the stories of Pat, and uh, that's what we had a, a very congenial, uh, uh, you know, the first year with Pat and those guys, and uh, and we were winning. We went, uh, there wasn't a place that we went into that we were, and that included Philadelphia, that we were set back by anybody trying to threaten our ability on a physical basis yeah, to yeah. do our jobs. So, uh, so I think that was part of the part of our winning uh, the first year and so forth. And out of that, which I find even now, it's not so much so because you got the, you got scouts all over the world, like, uh, you know, and so on. And, and so, you know, every year there's players coming out of Europe or Sweden that you're not expecting that stardom and, you know, uh, Roser Paybon, I think I, I don't, I'm not Where a record keeper, but yeah. Rosie was, uh, I think he scored 30 goals. Smotsy came up. Um, and played great, and uh, there was a trade, uh, and Bobby, uh, Bobby phoned me and uh, said that, uh, you know, the uh, 
the World Hockey's offered me a big contract, and and the other thing is I'm going to Boston if not. So I told them about Boston, and and uh, you know my my record, you know my career there, and it was great, and so on. But Bobby went there, and he had a great career. He played really well with Boston, Don Cherry, and. Don's, a, you know, when you hear him on the air, you know that it's going to be you're all encompassed in terms. And then, uh, you know, you had Bobby Orr there. It isn't, isn't, isn't bad. There you go. So, uh, but anyway, that was that was part of the process of the first year. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the I guess always, uh, always the, the part, you know, the. Uh, the conversation always swings around about Dale and, and Perot and so forth, mm-hmm. and uh, they were both great hockey players. Perot was one of those God-given gifts, and he, hit, you know, he played very well, and so did Dale. Perfect. Yeah, that was. I mean, uh, that was a big topic back then. The conversation about where those guys were going to be selected. So, yeah, yeah. I appreciate those stories. Thank you very much, Kurt. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? Kurt, welcome. Kurt, this is Ryan. I have uh, I was doing some research, uh, doing an intro for uh, the interview that we were hoping to have here, and I stumbled on YouTube upon um, <laughs> this. Is, this blew my mind. Um, the Canucks hosted a Yukon night, and they gave you a dog. <laughs> please, please explain that story. And did you keep the dog? <laughs> oh yeah. No, it was fine. We had. Uh... We had moved to Vancouver by that time. Uh, we had four children. Yeah. And then added another two or three on the list later on. Oh boy. <laughs> and, uh, we have a big family, and yeah, uh, the uh, they asked if uh, if we would accept a uh, a dog, and so nobody <laughs> would. So I said, "Well, I would," because we, we you know, we were. <laughs> was that the first year? I think it was, wasn't it? I, I I didn't see the time step. I, I looked and uh, yeah. I'm not sure it was the first guy. It might have been the second or so. Anyway, they presented me with a dog, and it was. <laughs> well, at least uh, they asked. I've had dogs all my life, but this was a little different one. This guy was a Malamute. Yeah. And uh, so I, when they presented it to me at center ice, I took it. I took it over the box, and had my son there, who was about. It would be uh, 1970. He was born. No, he wasn't. He was born 63. So he was. So he was about uh, eight, eight, about 10. Okay. And uh, so anyway, uh, uh, the Malamute we took home and we babied him, and uh, he just uh, would not. He sat, he 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 would go up in the corner of our bedroom, and he'd stay in the corner. Wouldn't come out. Uh-huh. So I contacted the guy here who lived locally, and and they were trying to they were trying to spread the word how, how good the Yukon was for you know for to make a, a nice trip there and uh, and yeah. so forth. So anyway, so I contacted him, and he said, "Okay, well, you know," and we tried everything. I, you know, I've never had a dog that you know that you had a big to even eat, hmm. and uh, so anyway, I give him. He took him back. 
And uh, it's, it's the thing people, when they get animals, sometimes uh, you have to do your work as well in finding, you know, what they're best at. And this was a Malamute, and he was used, he was, he was, uh, you know, those dogs are made to run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and their pull, uh, you know, the same, simple as that. So what happened, the gentleman took the dog back, and uh, about a year later, uh, they send me another dog but i'll tell you about that story but they they <laughs> they, they, they uh, uh he took the dog back and he had a big backyard like we did yes and uh, so that wasn't a problem but anyway it snowed one day and his little boy was two years old in the backyard uh so the snow and so the dog gra- dug a hole if yep. you believe this and he tried to bury the the uh, two-year-old uh, in the oh hole, my God. and then cover him with dirt and snow. Oh you, know, you, know, you know, you read a book and you say, okay, that's what wolves do up north when they knock a caribou down or something. They yeah. tear it apart, rip it up, bury, bury it for when they're coming back or whatever. So that's what I read. I'm just passing on it's <laughs> on hearsay. This is what I read. Oh so in the meantime, I got another dog, and they gave me a husky, Siberian husky. And they carried it around for six weeks, whoever they bought it from. The guy said to prepare it for giving it to you, you know, to, so they're not not just a work dog, which the Malamute and the Huskies yeah. are for pulling sleighs. Yeah. Uh, they carried it around, and, they brought, and he was a beautiful dog, black and white and blue, blue eyes. Uh, and much smaller. The Malamute had to be 130, 140 pounds. It's a big dog, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're like uh, Pyrenees. Uh, you know, just uh, the same type of build in terms of length and strength. And so the, uh, we, we, ca- we had the Husky for quite a few years. Uh, we had one little problem with them. Um, we lived in Burnaby and uh, close to school and close to Brentwood Shopping Center. Yeah, and uh, he uh, he he was in the backyard one night, and I, I around two in the morning I heard him sort of howling, and he he had scaled a five foot fence oh, and went hunting. <laughs> oh jeez! So when I when I uh, I opened the gate uh, beside the garage, and next morning I woke up and looked out. We were up on the third floor, and he was laying contentedly in the backyard under a tree, and he had his foot on, he had his paw on something white. Mm. So I thought, oh, what the hell now? So I went down, and he, he had found a rabbit somewhere. Yeah. And he had degutted it. <laughs> and again, uh, just, it's, I guess it's just something they, you know, when they're up there and they have to live. So anyway, I don't tell anybody about this, but uh, <laughs> somebody from Burnaby will be, be after me for having their white rabbit gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think enough times pass. I think we'd be okay. Yeah, I think we're probably so anyway, so seriously, this is, so he was laying there contentedly. He had, he had, uh, he gutted it and hadn't started on the rest. It was so on. So that was it. And then I go to training camp, um, we went to training camp in Calgary, and I get a call from my wife saying, well, he's at it again. He was <laughs> over in the schoolyard at the public school, and he found a big Canada goose. 
Oh, oh you no. ran on a goose. And so, uh, and so while the while the kids were out having a good recess, he was having a good time with a with a big Canada goose. Oh, no. And just to be clear, so this is this is so the. Okay, you guys tell me what would you do? Can you give them to a farmer? No, he's going to eat no. all this. So anyway, so we won't go on with that. But I mean that was, <laughs> that was the story of the Malamutant Husky, and the Husky was a beautiful dog, and uh, we we had him a long time. So wow, but, wow, that's crazy. Thank you so much. That's more of a story than I was expecting. Oh, but the Malamute was again a beautiful dog, but he's 140 or 50 pounds. No kidding. And they're they're bred for uh, working, and the hockey is too, except that uh, they have a different appetite. Wow. Yeah, you weren't going to train that out of them. That was going to happen, or it wasn't, right? <laughs> no, there's a, it's like uh, you know when you get a little older, you look at uh, different things in the world, and uh, there's environment and there's genetics. I'd give you guys something to uh, speak a few hours on. <laughs> no kidding. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, and uh, Kurt, you were you were mentioning that uh, you watch every Canucks game. Uh, just makes me wonder uh, how often you make it down to watch a live game, and uh, who's going to be that kind of player that's going to motivate you to get down there and watch a game? Like on this current team, who's your favorite player to watch? Uh, well, I think last year it was probably Pedersen. Yeah. Um, this year's a little story because they're really paying attention to him now, and uh, so that'll work itself out in the power play and different things. But yeah, no, no, we go down. We have an alumni room, and uh, I mean that's been going on, you know, uh, for many years now. The Canucks have been very good to us and provided us an alumni room. So we go. I, I just when we had. Uh, I usually try to work it out. Uh, we're going to get in November, and uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll have uh, we'll have uh, two or three people as guests. Are usually, you know, our friends, but uh, it's it's our family, yeah. and uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, like at this last one here, I had nine of the kids at the other, and they were all, you know, my my oldest is like fifty nine, and all the way down to uh, down to. Uh, Let's see here, uh, seventy-eight. So they, you know, so they're in their forties. Uh, the youngest is in their forties, and the oldest is like fifty-nine. We 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 adopted two children, and uh, amazing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the uh, the our our family is uh, large, and when we go in, we try to uh, get everybody to a game. Perfect. Uh, and uh, grandchildren or children, and uh, so it works out very nice. And uh, and uh, you know, we'll probably go say we've been in October, go November, go to December, and we get you know we get stay downtown and take in movies and do different things just to uh, it it, uh, it, it uh, shortens as the winter yeah. and. Uh, there's not, you know, there's not, uh, Vernon, it's amazing. I, when I coached the juniors, Richmond, we'd go into Vernon, Kelowna, and uh, Penticton in the old wood buildings. Yeah. I don't know, you guys must have seen those, I think. Memorial, uh, that probably would have been like the Spartans or something like that, right? Yeah, and we had the Richmond Sockeyes. Okay. And uh, first year, so we had nine teams in the league then, and then we'd make the road trips into the interior. And uh, Re uh, Renan was, you know, I don't know, 30,000 people. 
yes. with that and uh, closed now. down at night and now it's a thriving community and building and Kelowna is on it, you know, it's going bananas. Penticton just doesn't have any land there, but I mean, for a lot of retirees, feel very comfortable in the interior now because <laughs> I got gray hair, you know, and yeah, yeah. I can walk around and <laughs> become one of the mass. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it's interesting to hear that you, you know, you're not, you're not a snowbird. It seems like you hang around in the winter. I think, uh, you know, for myself. No, we've and- we've we've done that uh, in terms of traveling. Uh, last trip was to Morocco, and uh, so we've been, you know, we've been to Europe. I just the planes now it drives you crazy yeah, here. It doesn't matter, you know, whether your passport or you got the. You know, so it's it's it just it's just a real hassle. I I find if you go four or five, I don't know, like uh, if you're six foot or more. One of the trips uh, we made to France with the family, uh, one of our grandchildren was uh, redoing grade twelve, and we met him in Paris, and then went to Normandy, and there was about ten of us uh, together and so forth, and we had. Uh, 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 see the uh, you know the bulk uh, bulkhead, and so I have a son of all that six three two thirty myself, and then we were hoping there'd be nobody in between us, <laughs> yeah. and we sat and we went in and we sat down and we got a guy between us at two eighty, oh. two eighty and six foot, so it wasn't just the length; it was the the girth, yeah. The <laughs> and uh, so we were. I was in the aisle seat and I was hanging over and, and you go nine hours of that? No. Give me a break. No chance. I don't know you guys, I don't know how tall you are, but yeah, I mean it does worry and then they keep shortening the seats now and you know. So anyway, uh, I, I guess it depends on your your patience and uh, so on, but you know, uh, guys just um, rambling on here, but uh, when we, when, when I played in New York and Boston East, you know, it was a, uh, the trains had ended and the planes had started. Right. That be you know in the sixties, early sixties, yeah. and uh, you know your you know your trips to even by train overnight after a Toronto game and you you trained it to Detroit. Well, you were there the next morning. Chicago, you got in at nine or ten, and you know that type of thing, and yeah. fly a couple hours. Mm. Now jump on a plane and first year in Vancouver. You go to Air Canada uh, or Trans Canada Air. That'll, you guys will that that should jar your mm-hmm. your memory a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Pacific, Canadian Pacific, and they were starting out. And then you sat on the plane for five hours or more, going against the wind to Toronto, and then you changed to go to Boston or to go to New York, and coming okay, and then coming home if you played. Uh, you'd go sometimes via Toronto, have to get up at uh, 6 in the morning for an 8 o'clock flight. You'd come home to Vancouver on, a, on this was Monday morning, on the say, bus, Buffalo, where you, you, you busted into Toronto. And then you'd get home at uh, friggin' uh, 1 or 2. Yeah. And then uh, you, the next day you played. They yeah. had a game scheduled for a Tuesday. So you you played like a friggin' zombie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as simple as that. And then the other the other way coming home, you would come home through Chicago. Then you fly, fly Chicago to Seattle, and then so the so the coach was okay. Enough of that crap. 
we're going to bust it and see if we can. So it's four or five hours. Yeah. If you wait for a flight, when you got in at three, you waited till seven yeah. for a flight to Vancouver, if you can imagine that. So, I mean, it wasn't the games that killed you, it was the waiting. And now, uh, I think, um, I'm not sure who started the Griffiths, whether they rented a plane or leased a plane or something, but I mean, now they've all got the planes, uh, you know, and you go on a, we went on a, we went on a seven game road trip, I think we're gone in almost two weeks, and we got snowed out in Montreal, had to go play in Buffalo, went back to Montreal to finish the game. <laughs> And fly home, wow. and you say, and you think that you're supposed to. Be, yeah, anyway, it's, it's ludicrous, but it was what it was. And that travel okay. is always different <laughs> on the West Coast, right? From compared to all those guys. Well, yeah, LA, and, Oakland had the same thing. Yeah, but Vancouver, Vancouver did not have the, uh, the airlines that they had out of LA. I mean, it would be, you know, then it would be four or five airlines that you're going, but mm. and, and so forth. So now. We get Seattle in, it makes sense. Now you've got the West Coast looked after. You've got Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg. And then when you get down that far, you're going across to Minneapolis and, you know, there's some Dallas. And, you know, so anyway, that's uh, that's what it was then. And uh, it was, uh, it was uh, the tedium of, of the season that uh, knocked you on your rump, uh, put it that way. What a crazy different lifestyle and, and life that you've led for sure. But, I mean, it, you know, first of all, I think I, we're sort of coming up on our, our, our time check that we sort of put on the, the, the beginning of the interview. But, yeah. Kurt, I just wanted to, to say, I think, you know, for, for Braden and myself and Ryan, I think, you know, first off, we're really shocked and sort of tickled to know that you're still an active Canucks fan and you still watch a lot of hockey and you follow the team closely and, um, so that's really cool for us to hear that you're you're still a fan, even though you've had such a, a long and illustrious career. And um, you know, we got to to learn some really cool stories about <clears throat> the time that you spent during your playing days, and uh, obviously the husky thing too. <laughs> it's such a great story, um, you know, and the fact that you had a, a really long and illustrious career. So um, you know, we wanted to just take this time to say thank you for 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 taking your time with us. Um, we were really tickled to have this interview with you and, and obviously if there's anything else that you wanted to, to cover before we finish up here, we just want to say thank you very yeah. much. Yes, Thanks, thank you, Kurt. Thank you very much, Mr. Kurt Beck. Well, you're welcome, guys. My pleasure. Um, the, the, uh, after so many years uh, and so many, um, so many memories, uh, both family, because coaching in Tulsa, playing in San Francisco, we won't get on this maybe at another time, but... Uh, and we'd love to do that. <laughs> have, and having, just as a, a little bait there for you guys, we having uh, ushered New Year's in in San Francisco at Alcatraz. Oh, yeah. The guards, guards who had invited us over to usher in six, in 1963 uh, and so on. So, you know, for all the, uh, the minuses uh, monetarily... There was so many experiences of uh, California, and uh, maybe we could do that one day. So, uh, anyway, guys, that. thank you for phoning and your interest, and uh, you know the old go Canucks. Go Canucks! Go. Go. Thanks, Kurt. We're gonna take you up on that offer, Kurt. But thank you so okay, much again. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, guys. All right, enjoy the 50th season. Thank you. Take Good luck, you guys. Uh, wish you well. Thank you. Thank you you as well. Bye bye. Bye bye. To the blue hotel I wanna 
everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. Hey, it's Joel Emson, host of That Nerd Dad podcast. Look, finding time for yourself is an important part of parenting. It allows us to be the best version of ourselves for our kids. So tune in every week to talk about parenting, pop culture, and politics. Whether you're an exhausted parent looking for a laugh or a stone teenager who clicked on this by mistake, this is the podcast for you. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, Google, the Dean Blundell Network, or at thatnerddad.ca.